This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. Hey, hey, it's G-Mac and Doug Brown. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast with Greg Mackling and Doug Brown. So that's why we're both here. And uh, guess where we are? 5-0, and oh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Is it 1960? Since 1960. I think people are tired of hearing about this, Doug, don't you think? I feel like we've traveled back in time. <laughs> we've had, all, have you not seen all the... How so? Have you not seen all the things out there about the what... You know, society was like the last time the bombers were five and zero. Oh, it was uh, gas was quite affordable, and uh, so was milk, amongst other things. <laughs> well, thank goodness for that. Yeah, Long but time. the thing we That's have to realize and remember is that the the blue ball did not win the Grey Cup in nineteen sixty, in spite of a ten and zero start. They finished fourteen and two. Bud Grant was the coach. Kenny Plain was the quarterback. Kenny Plain got injured. We don't need to go down that road. But can we say that Matt Nichols is finally getting the respect that maybe some of us expected he might be able to earn uh, some time ago? You know, the funny thing about Matt Nichols is uh, just how unique his standing and his abilities are as a quarterback, whereas his yardage totals are nothing exceptional, his quarterback rating is number one and off the charts, right? His touchdown to intercept uh, interception ratio is is incredible as well, unbelievable as well. So, you know, some people, depending on your your prerogative and your slant and your bias, you know, you you might be, oh well, these guys have more yards; they throw for more yards than he does. But, I mean, what makes him so effective in this offense and on this football team that takes care of the ball very well, that wins um, turnover battles? You know, if they win a turnover battle, they're almost assured; they're almost hundred percent guaranteed to win a football game. So he is so well suited for this team because of his touchdown. What is it? Ten touchdowns to one interception. Now five games in, that's outstanding. Well, I think it's twelve to one. Twelve to one touchdown to interception ratio. Who cares about the yards, right? You're, you're five and zero. Oh, uh, your quarterback rating is through the roof. You throw touchdowns for days. You know you're on pace over over to a game, and uh, one interception in five games is uh, that's incredible. That's on pace for around three for an eighteen game season, right? So. And with 12 touchdowns, I mean, you're on pace for 36 touchdowns and three interceptions, which is absurd, which is MVP candidate conversation. And then if he maintains anywhere near that with his quarterback rating, um, that's also exceptional. We had the conversation on Friday night about what percentage of Matt Nichols' passing yardage is on big plays going into the game Friday night it was 38 percent and he actually increased that percentage on Friday night now by big strikes of 34 and by big plays you have a beef with this no by big plays I I just want to define the parameters that over 20 yards is that what you consider big play that's over 20 yards okay yeah that's over 20 yards you had to lay the groundwork first absolutely and I I know explosion plays are over 30 right so uh, big plays are over 20, explosion plays are over 30. But Matt Nichols, over 40% of his passing yards are on plays that are over 20 yards long, completions that are 20 yards long. And to me, that's incredibly impressive. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's two things, right? That means he has a very accurate long ball, so he's got great touch when he does throw deep, but it's also a huge credit to the kinds of explosive weapons he has. Obviously, Lucky Whitehead being one of them, Nick Dembski being another who's injured right now, Kenny Lawler emerging as another one right there, a guy that can catch you know, uh, a 10, 15 yard pass and take it to the house. More of those type of guys you have, the better you're going to look as a quarterback. But obviously we've seen him throw some, some deep balls on that wheel route to uh, Andrew Harris uh, the other day. Uh, that was a, uh, that was great touch on that pass. Um, you know, he's been very, very accurate with his deep ball and he's hitting guys in stride. I think that's the key to explosion plays, um, to big plays uh, over the top passing is being able to hit guys when they don't have to break stride. And he's been outstanding at that. Well, and obviously that's a testament to the offensive line as well. They didn't really see on Friday night in spite of uh, some changes. And Jamarcus Hardrick was out of the game for a little while. Uh, the offensive line is really coming together, Doug. Yeah, you know, with, with the injuries and the, the guys uh, not in the lineup and the changes they've had, Patty Newfield's still out, Jamarcus Hardrick getting hurt, playing injured, two newcomers replacing the loss at, at center and right guard, you know, that was a big question mark for us. And uh, Nichols, I mean, he, he gets hit occasionally, but, you know, we know he wouldn't be able to the, play and perform at the level he's playing at right now if they predominantly did not have a clean pocket, which is what we're seeing on a regular basis five games in. So outstanding job by obviously the offensive line coach, but those new players stepping in and, and just, you know, picking up where they left Go off. On, and uh, obviously the the running game has been um, – has been a, a big benefactor from you know the presence they've had and the holes they've been able to open for Andrew Harris on the ground as well. Here we are, we're five minutes into this conversation, and we've yet to talk about a defense that allowed one point against Ottawa on Friday night. How good is this defense? Is it smoke and mirrors, or are we talking about a team that genuinely has uh, one of the better defensive units in the CFL? Well, you know, last time I looked, uh, which was the other day, the Bombers hadn't scored the most points in the CFL. They had scored the second most points, but they had given up the fewest points in the CFL, which is obviously a credit to their defense. So I think there are more and bigger tests to come. I don't think you can count on giving, you know, one or six points uh, up per game. Uh, you know, and, and immediately they're going to be tested going into Hamilton against the, the best team in the Eastern Division and possibly the second best team in the CFL. That'll be a, a fantastic test for the defense. They can uh, perform anywhere near uh, with allowing uh, as few points of, as they've had the last couple of games. I mean, that will be an outstanding uh, show uh, for them. And uh, you really, you know, fewer and fewer, the question marks just erode as the season goes on and, and they make these performances uh, more of habit and more consistent, fewer, fewer question marks can be asked of this defense. But, you know, right now, uh, what is that? They give up six points the previous week and one point seven points in two games. And, and the number of games they've gone without touchdowns allowed, it is uh, truly incredible that the pace they're playing at, uh, they have, like we said, steeper competition in front of them, but you know, so far so good. We're almost a third of the way through the season. How dominant, how can we use that word? This, this has been a dominant team so far this season, fair to say? 
fair to say they don't even you know you want to talk about technical knockouts in boxing right what does that mean when a referee decides the opponent is no longer able to compete like these games could have been called at halftime the last two games right they were up by 31 points against toronto and they were up by 26 points against ottawa at halftime like that is honestly they're almost killing the the entertainment value of the second half of these games because it's it's cruise control mode you know what i'm saying there's no more drama there's no more intrigue these games are done halfway through the contest i mean there's no other way when you talk about dominant football teams when you've pretty much t- handled and taken care of your opponent in two quarters and uh, unless it was some sort of historic comeback it's totally out of the question that is the definition of a dominant football team is when you are so good in the first and second quarter that you put the game away and the third and fourth quarter it's just it's just there and you just have to play it out and and play it through and uh, go about your business right this football team has not trailed past halftime since week one against the bc lions they were down by three uh against the bc lions in vancouver in week one and uh literally within minutes coming out in the third quarter they regained the lead and they never looked back again and they haven't been behind uh at the half since in uh, the remainder of, of those uh, four games. Well, that's saying a lot. So let's take a look at the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And I think you're right. Uh, when we look at the schedule so far, this is a team, I think, that will give the Blue Bombers the toughest test that they've had to this point. They scored 64 points against Toronto uh, back on June 22nd, they scored 41 points against Montreal, a team who just won their third straight game this past weekend. So Hamilton's done some damage. They've uh, and they've also uh, broken their their 14 game losing streak against Calgary. They're coming off a bye. They're going to be coming into this game with a ton of confidence. I suspect. Yeah, for sure. They've had a ton of of opportunity and time to study this opponent and, and prepare. They're they're very good at home. They've been very good so far this year with one blip on their schedule where they uh, didn't play the way many of us thought they were capable of. So this is a great test for this Winnipeg Blue Bomber football team. You know, people are still saying, oh, it's a strength of schedule that has resulted in their 5-0 and record. But what are you going to say now if you go into Hamilton and you win this game and you play anywhere near the kind of dominant football you have been up to this point? What are you going to say after that game? If they are victorious in Hamilton and they maintain any of the characteristics on offense, defense, or special teams we've seen throughout the season so far, I mean, this team is as authentic and the real deal as it gets in in pro football. So what an exciting test uh, for the football club and and their fan base to really have a big step up in terms of the, the talent level of your opponent. But I honestly think, you know, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I think they're head and shoulders above most of the teams, if not all the teams in the CFL right now. And I think uh, that's going to be the result we're going to see on Friday. But it's certainly not going to be, I'd be real surprised if it's one of those situations where, like I said, it's done after two quarters, right? This is going to be probably and most likely a four-quarter effort from Winnipeg. But, I mean, this football team is so deep. They're so talented. They're so balanced. And one of the biggest things Bob Irving and I talk about on the broadcast, they just don't have, like, what's their weakness? Where are you going to attack these guys? Who are you going to go after? Mm-hmm. You know, what is their vulnerability? Is it their offensive line? No, it's not. Is it running game? No. Are, are they too heavy and overloaded on the passing game? No. 
You know, they're a very balanced football team. They're very smart. They distribute the ball better than anybody. So you can't just take away a player or a weapon defensively and think you're going to succeed against these guys because there's so many other targets and available explosive players to you. It's just next man up mentality, right? And the defense, as soon as you start pressing against these guys, they start taking the football away. The defensive line is starting to come into their own in terms of consistent pressure. I mean, Willie Jefferson is uh, one of the biggest signings this defense had, but Jackson Jeffcoat might be better than him right now with how this season has gone in terms of how consistent and regularly he's making plays both against the pass and the run. I mean, it's incredible how good their defensive ends are and and their interior uh, guys are a force as well. So this is a a very, very strong football team. If they can maintain the biggest uh, obstacle, I think, for them right now going forward, especially in Hamilton, is it's just not buying into the fact that you're undefeated. Don't let that get to your head because if they approach every game the way they've been doing it thus far, I don't know who can beat them right now. It's going to have to be an off day for them or one of those turnover days where you know things just don't go right for you and, and guys are putting the ball on the deck that don't normally do it. That's really that could be the only opportunity or, or scenario where they're going to lose. What does it say about this defense that their number one defensive player, the de- defensive player of the league in the CFL last year, Adam Bighill, has been out of the lineup and they haven't skipped a beat? I know that is probably a very strong endorsement for the play of Kyrie Wilson, but does it say something? Does it say anything at all about the defense as a whole based on what they've had to deal with in that adversity? Yeah, I mean, even when Adam Bighill isn't there uh, you know, on on the football field, I think his presence is still felt, right? He is still one of the leaders and, and you know, the captain of that defense, a leader of that football team. And, uh, you know, he, he's still a part. He's still at practice. He's still in meetings. Uh, he's close to getting ready to return. And, and guys like that set the bar and set the tone for the rest of the players. So I think even though um, they've been able to be successful in his absence, I still think he's a big part of this because he's kind of set the bar, right? Everything changed once he arrived in terms of accountability for this defense, in terms of guys no longer uh, having miscues and not communicating and dropping guys in coverage and allowing guys to get behind them and not knowing their responsibilities. That all went out the window when Adam Big Hill arrived and the continuation of that, whether he's on the field or not, is not surprising for me. Winston Rose just got to give him uh, singular recognition. He had a big interception. I know uh, the game against Toronto, the Blue Bombers dominated on every front, but Winston Rose had an interception in the Blue Bomber end zone when Toronto was trying to get back in the game when they were still in the game early in the first half. And then it was his interception, his pick six, that, that really got things going in terms of point scoring for the Blue Bombers, so I just I just wanted to give him some extra recognition because we spend so much time talking about Jefferson, about Jeffcoat, about Big Hill, and now Kyrie Wilson. I think Winston Rose deserves some recognition as well, Doug. Yeah, as a free agent signing, he's certainly um, um, he's certainly done a, a good job in terms of living up up to expectations and maybe exceeding expectations in terms of what he could do in, in the secondary. It's a long season still in front of him, but he's been uh, definitely one of their better uh, defenders in the back end. Off the top of the podcast, we were talking about Mr. Nichols and his dominance. Who is the MVP of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now? Wow. You know, there's obviously Andrew Harris is on track for a career uh, season. Uh, Nick Dembski, 
prior to getting hurt was was doing outstanding. Uh, Matt Nichols, his quarterback rating, his touchdown to interception ratio is is through the roof. I think with the way quarterbacks get uh, uh, attention and uh, have their statistics overplayed, and and obviously CFL being synonymous with being a quarterback league, I would probably go with Matt Nichols right now, almost a third of the way through the football season, just based on the the numbers he's put out. I mean, even when he's not playing his best, he's never going to cost you a game. He just doesn't, you know, if he's not throwing a, a bunch of touchdown passes, which he has this year, he's just not making mistakes and errors with the football, right? So I think uh, he is probably the catalyst right now uh, for why this uh, football team and probably the most important, most outstanding player for this football team right now, a third of the way through the season. Just a couple hours before we came in to record this podcast, news broke that Chris Matthews was out in a Winnipeg nightclub on Saturday night and was stabbed. What's your reaction to that? Because I know there was a head coach here once upon a time, and maybe all of them say it at one time or another, nothing good happens after midnight. Uh, but on the other side, how does that make a guy like Chris Matthews feel? He's, he's, a, he's a, a guest in our community. How do you think he's feeling after a situation like this? I mean, put aside the, the physical wounds. Is there a, a damage to the relationship potentially between the, the community and Chris Matthews after something like that happening? Yeah, you know, it's it's always hard to speculate in a situation like this unless you were there, unless you talk to him, unless you, you know, find out what really went down. You just don't know. It certainly wasn't the first time there's been uh, – uh, fisticuffs or violent situations with football players at you know uh, nightclubs or bars or whatever after hours or, or later on. I mean, one of the I think one of the best seasons um, uh, on the football team I was a part of in 2001. We had a bunch of guys, Troy Mills and Arlen Bruce. I think there's probably three or four of them, and they they got jumped outside. I don't know if it's called the library or lot three something. Um, but there have been situations, I remember it was, uh, when Dave Ritchie was the head coach where, you know, it made the news and everything. And there was a big fight and these guys had some bruises and some marks on them and they came to, to work the next day. And it was just wrong place, wrong time. And you're right. When you said, uh, Dave Ritchie was also the kind of guy that says nothing good happens after this time. And, you know, every now and then, you know, there's so many football players that make up a football team. What is there? 60 odd guys. Uh, it's just a matter of time and odds, right? Where there's going to be interactions and situations and scenarios, especially all the guys, the majority of guys being from out of town and not knowing, you know, where to go and what to do and who, you know, where you shouldn't be and where you can be, so on and so forth. They can find themselves in compromising situations. And luckily, uh, from everything I've heard, uh, Chris Matthews is, is perfectly fine. I think the stabbing might have been a big, a little bit of an overplay but uh, you know he's he's lucky he uh, he got to uh, learn from that mistake and it wasn't a lot more serious. Now you mentioned Dave Ritchie and the advice that he might have had for his players on that sort of thing. What kind of advice would you give young players? Like when you went out back in the day, you're, yeah. you're a gigantic man, so I can't imagine that there were too many people stupid enough to come up to you and and try and aid you in or try to to get you into a fight, but I can only imagine that professional athletes deal with that, that garbage all the time. 
Well, you know what? I was here, what was I on the football team from 2001 to 2011? And yeah, honestly, I never had a situation where I felt like something was going to go down or something was wrong. But I also think, you know, it's, it's a factor of you just be smart about it, right? You don't, you leave when your buddies leave and you go places, you know, where you have your teammates or your friends there, so on and so forth. Cause it doesn't matter how big and strong you are, or, or you know, whether you can fight or not, uh, you know, it's just a numbers game, right? If there's enough of uh, the people that are, are, are coming up against you, then it, it doesn't really matter. So I think, it, it, yeah, I don't think, I think you need to learn not to overstay your welcome at places and, and to understand that, you know, when your friendly faces have disappeared, it's probably time for, for you to get out of there as well, because, uh, you know, it, it can be a dangerous place, just like any city in Canada can be. But that is, uh, you know, that's a truth from, from my scenario. Uh, my 11 years here, never once did I feel like I was about to get, not that I can think of. I mean, I did make a citizen's arrest once in Winnipeg, but that was a long time ago. But um, <laughs> never did I ever feel like, uh, you know, it was, uh, I was in a situation where I was going to be compromised. And I used to go out all the time. So, you know, I don't know. Granted, a lot of times Richard Harris was there. So you see me and Richard Harris together. You got to be pretty crazy to, to start some trouble, I think. Coach Harris would be out with you? Oh, well, I mean, maybe at the at the pregame shenanigans, you know, you go out and you uh, you maybe before you go to the the end of the night bar, you'd have your you'd have your warm up place. So he would sometimes be uh, at a at a warm up place like an Earl's or something like that. And, and he would be there. But like I said, Coach uh, Coach Harris, so protective of his players. Uh, if anyone even tried to start something with you know defensive linemen which are for the most part it's not a smart idea to get involved with them on a football team anyways but he would literally step in and uh you know make sure that you didn't even uh have to deal with that situation he would handle it for you so he was a very scary man very uh uh imposing physically that's for sure even uh you know in his 60s doug this whole consistency and and i know uh we want to wrap things up here, but this consistency of the Blue Bomber coaching staff for the most part, and you, you meld that and you pair that with the consistency of the personnel, the player personnel to a great extent. Tell us the, the potential effect of that. We've seen Buck Pierce uh, rumored to have turned down a job elsewhere in order to stay here. We've seen Paul Lapolis, who for all intents and purposes should be a head coach somewhere else chooses to stay in Winnipeg. What, what's the value overall to the club and what's the value to a player uh, when his coach is loyal to a franchise uh, like this and like those examples I just cited? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a unique and a different approach, right? A lot of regime leaders have not had the patience um, to to go through a couple tough years. It was almost two and a half tough years uh, before they were able to turn this thing around and, and go on the run that they're going on right now and, and being this good and in contention uh, for a championship. It took, it took multiple years, like I said, at least two and a half uh, before they found their path and, and got this ship righted. So... And a lot of uh, previous managers would not, we, we've seen, you know, we saw guys like Doug Barry who, uh, you know, three years made the playoffs uh, three years in a row and, uh, you know, wasn't able to continue for a fourth. So it's, uh, it's continuity and, and, you know, letting guys really put their stamp on uh, both the player personnel and, and their, uh, their leadership and, and what kind of, uh, 
personalities and and athletes they want in a room you know it, it obviously can take time and I think that's uh one of the greatest assets and attributes this new regime has had is that they've given these guys a chance uh, they've weathered the storm and now right now they are reaping the benefits I think we covered the things you're most impressed with with the team and can I summarize it in saying that it's the fact that they've got all phases going or is there something you want to add to that thought before we run and make our predictions for yeah, as a, this as Friday night? A, as a final thought, I would be like people, if people ask you, what are you most surprised about, about this football team? And it's just the fact that, you know, we all thought they'd be good. We just had no idea it was to this degree. Like they have been exponentially better than their opponent and uh, they keep getting better seemingly on a week by week basis. So uh, the growth has been incredible. The moves they made in the offseason have paid off in a huge way. And, uh, yeah, this is just, uh, I mean, this is as good as it gets in terms of season so far, nearing the, the one-third mark of the 18-game schedule. That's what's been most surprising is just, it's not that they've been good, it's just how good and the degree and uh, that margin between them and their opponent. Last year at this time, and last year as we were marching towards the playoffs, I think every every pundit, every fan, every observer would have said, you know, if we just had a big play re- receiver, if we just had maybe a, a one more impact player on defense, we could go all the way. Well, they've taken care of those things, and I don't think they've sacrificed anything in accomplishing those goals and bringing those difference makers in. They, they've been very lucky on that front. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, everything is just kind of falling into place and, and coming together right now. And uh, it's a perfect storm of, of talent, leadership, continuity, a great locker room and explosive play ability and tenured veteran nucleus. And it, it is just it's uh, piling in on all fronts. And that's the result we're seeing on the football field right now. And not spending seven hundred thousand dollars on one play, <laughs> on one player and comprehend. I mean, I wrote a story about that. I'm like, how do you? How are you not crippling the rest of your roster and exposing holes in the rest of your roster when you overpay and overspend? I mean, that's right now turning out to be the worst team in the West, the one with arguably the best player at quarterback who's making the most money. But guess what? The rest of the team just can't keep up with that. You be in Hamilton Friday night, Doug? Certainly. I wouldn't miss this one for anything. Doug Brown, thanks as always. Pleasure, Greg. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.